Welcome to another episode of Engagement Zone from the Employee Engagement Awards and, and Alliance. Uh, this week in the news, aside from the very depressing stories that we won't go into, it has, has, has actually been very slow, as well you'd, you'd imagine, for August, uh, with headlines being made up of uh, what about our heir to the throne, six-year-old George and, and the gap in his smile after losing a tooth. Um, what next? Um, so we will move quickly on from lack of news and um, to our guest, a career steeped in comms, in-house and, and now consulting, um, president, president-elect of the CIPR, uh, which is amazing, co-founder of the successful internal comms unconference in the UK called The Big Yak, uh, the uh, IC crowd on Twitter, uh, and most importantly, a judge for us in the awards in the UK and Europe. Um, I joke, of course, obviously, the, the, the judging being the probably least important one on, on that list. But uh, we're very, very honoured to have her on the panel for the past two years. So please welcome to the uh, podcast, Jenny Field. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, summer's going well uh, and just, just doing lots of different things on the awards and conference. Um Say goodbye to my fiance in about a week. She's off to, off to Burning Man for three weeks. Oh so, wow! <laughs> um, it, it, that's cool for her, and actually quite cool for me because the football season's starting, and I can just chill out, <laughs> watch some sport downstairs for once. So, Lovely. you know, um, actually, an interesting fact about Jenny and I. Um, despite you, know, you live in the world of Twitter and social media, when you see 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 other people talking about the world that we work in. Uh, and I reached out, and uh, at, Jenny lives about two miles from me. So, uh, <laughs> so in, in a town called Farnborough, uh, I'd probably not recommend anybody else on this podcast to come to Farnborough. Uh, famous for an air show, and that's about it. But it's a very small world. It, it, we found out, didn't we? We did. We did. First meeting in a little coffee shop, which was delightful for both of us because we didn't have to travel very far. To have a didn't have to travel into London or <laughs> to New York or Chicago or somewhere like that. So, absolutely incredible that we were live so close to each other. Um, we could talk for hours about all things engagement and internal comms uh, and Farnborough, of course. Uh, but I think for the purposes of the podcast, we should focus on your new report around um, engaging a remote r- workforce. I've seen online and uh, from people I've spoken to, it's been very well received around the world. And wondered, are you able to share insight and advice from within it? Um, we'll also make it available on for download on our site but it'd be great to hear from from the author themselves why why the report and, and what you've learned so over to you Jenny. Sure so we uh, I worked on the research with a company called Social Optic which is run by a guy called Benjamin Ellis and I've worked with Benjamin for a long time and he is my data scientist for all things um, data and insight driven for anything that I'm doing so I reached out to him after reading the Gatehouse State of the Sector research which comes out every year they've done about 10 reports now I think and the the one that came out in early 2018 was talking about the barrier of communicating with a remote or a deskless workforce as being one of the main barriers for internal communicators and on the priorities for internal communicators there was nothing linked to solving the barriers and having worked in communications for around about 15 years the barriers were barriers that we've seen time and time again. So line managers, uh, remote workers. And I just thought it's time for this not to be a barrier anymore. You know, we can't keep having the same conversations every year that this is just too hard. So I reached out to Benjamin to see if he'd he'd help me try and do 
some research to understand exactly what it is by going and talking to the frontline employees to understand what they want from internal communications and and why and and maybe what we're getting wrong. So we um, did the research for free. So we put a call out on LinkedIn to anybody that wanted to take part. And then everybody got a bespoke report that would then help them inform their internal communication strategy as well, which was really important. And, and the other piece that was important for me was a lot of the research that exists about our industry focuses on the channel, um, predominantly the channels that we use. And there's not a lot looking at content. So we can get a really nice bias of print magazines are dead, but we don't really know what the content is of those or, or how they're being used or whether they're you know, actually the right channel for the content and all those things. So with the research we did, we looked at channels. But we also grouped the content together into uh, industry content, organization content and department content. So we could map across to see whether there was any correlation between the content and the channel. And then we also looked at um, a little bit of engagement elements and, and line manager uh, stuff as well. So we had about seven organizations take part and, and around about th- over 300 people uh, in total. And of those organizations, around 60 percent of their employees are our remote front line. So we're talking to bus drivers, train drivers, cafe workers, firemen, um, logistics workers, all those kind of things. So a, a really nice mix of a deskless environment. And that, again, was deliberate because I didn't want to focus just on hospitality or just on transport. I wanted to get a yeah. mix because then we can see whether it's there's any trends or anything we can see across that sort of population. Um, Absolutely. So that was kind of the reasons for doing it. And that's kind of how we sort of structured um, the, the the questionnaire. So we went and, and sat in driver's mess rooms and, and stuff and, and with the survey on an iPad. And it allowed us to not only collect the data on the survey, but also have some conversations. So there's a lot of contextual stuff in here as well that were from the conversations that we had with the teams and the people that we met as well. Fantastic. So, so how then? How did you go out? How did you go out and and gather the research then? So, what kind of conversations were you having? So, we had some some fantastic conversations. Some conversations that left me feeling quite sad about the state of uh, of the workplace. But I think the the questionnaire was structured so it was really you know sort of five to, not even really five to ten minutes for them to go through and just select very quickly the answers to the questions. Uh, all done on scales, pretty much. So. Um, you know, I strongly disagree or, or strongly agree, and also looking at sort of one to five, so a Likert scale sort of traditional sort of model. So that's what we were going for um, from the research, and then we could analyze that and and and, and cross tabulate that um, quite deliberately across. So that's where Benjamin really comes into his own because I'll say, yeah. you know, I really want to see whether we can do this, and he has to go away and work out how we can how we can show that on the data, but you know the joy of doing proper research was that we we did it properly you know we had a hypothesis you know this is what we you know everyone's saying they're too hard to reach are they really too hard to reach and is this really too hard and how do we how do we get past that so um so that that, that was my next question actually i, I want to get into the discovery of what what you found and what's within the report but did any of it marry up with your preconceived ideas of what you might discover? Yeah, I think the biggest, and I've said to a few people when we've presented it at the different events we've we've hosted, that some of this isn't new information. It's yeah. just giving you the data to back up stuff that you kind of already know. And and it's also... Give, give you ammunition yeah. to when you go and try and get funding to do things. Exactly. So you've got the data point to say, this is why we should or shouldn't be doing this. The yeah. the one The one piece for me that that was 
was most surprising was the where the data came back around the importance of line managers. And this is where I get into the, you know, this isn't new information. We know line managers are really important when it comes to communication and engagement. What the data tells us is that they are so important that they impact everything else that's going on. So you can have yeah. an amazing print magazine and an amazing internet, but if your line manager skills aren't good enough, you can see a correlation between everything going downwards if their communication skills aren't good enough or if they're not trusted as a, as a leader. So for me, if you're going to do anything, it's invest in those line manager communication skills to make sure that they know how to take a message from the center and distill that down um, to it, the teams and have engaging conversations and all those things. Is, is that both ways? So the impact, they can impact everything in a negative way, but also yes. equally in a positive way. Yes. Yeah. You can completely see it goes completely down or completely up. Right. <laughs> there's there's no sort of ambiguity in there. And, and we saw it, you know, you can see where there are um, really, you know, really good line managers. We were also in some quite heavily unionised environments and that had quite an impact. But I think the the importance of line managers, we know, I just don't think we realise the impact it has on the work that maybe we do as internal communicators or HR people. Um, I'd, 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 yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to take that on and find out if any in any of the customer facing roles those those teams were in to see, to see the difference between a, a negative you know a poor line manager and and, it, and their team and the customer yeah. experience they were doling out versus a good one I, I, you know i'd love to love to take it take it a little bit further but you know maybe next year um so so what 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 are, what what were the key findings what what will people find within this report that will help them uh things they don't know things they already do know that will help them improve their own um comms comms strategy so aside from the the line manager piece and it's a soapbox i will keep getting on but the other the other two things that we we probably uncovered that that feedback from people that we've presented to has been the most interesting parts of it so one of it is the difference between how the remote workers work so we will often in internal comms group people together based on where they're based on where they sit in a hierarchy but actually if you look at the different types of remote workers that we spoke to their, their role is fundamentally different and therefore their engagement with each other and with their leadership is very different and therefore right. the content and the conversations are very different. So if I give you an example, we broke this into uh, solitary, mixed and team. So the bus drivers are what we would class as a solitary worker. They don't need anyone else to complete their task. They will come in, drive a bus and go home. Yeah. The only time they interact with other people is when they are in their kind of mess room or um, in their locker room, stuff like that. And those conversations are predominantly social um, because they don't really need to have many conversations about work. So their work's carried out on their own. They don't need anyone else. Then you've got the mixed worker. So maybe someone working in hospitality. So that would be somebody that would be working in a team at times and then not in others. So they're reliant in some ways on the chef preparing the food, the barman preparing the drinks. Um, if they are the waiting staff, but their interactions are a mix of, of work and social, but their conversations are predominantly work-based. You know, can I have this coffee? Where's this? I need to get the bill for that customer. Those kind of things. Their social conversations aren't there. Unlike the bus drivers, where most of their conversations are social because that's the only time they talk to each other. And then you've got the team. And and I hate how much we use the word team in business because to me, a team is is the fire service. You know, you are relying on someone else to complete a task as someone that's worked in communications in-house, I've never really been part of a team because I've sat in HR or marketing or 
commercial and and I've been a very small team within that of comms but not a broader team if that makes sense yeah so um where you've got someone like the fire service you're you're relying on other people to complete your task so bringing different skills together to do that and when you look at your deskless workforce with those kind of three buckets you can see that their interactions with their peers their leaders is different their interactions around the content and the conversations are different so when we're thinking about what kind of communication they need or what kind of content they need or when they're having these conversations it's easy for us to assume that all the conversations they have are work related whereas actually for a lot of them 90% of the conversations are completely social and have nothing to do with work so how do we then engage with them on work related content and that's the challenge that that we have um so that was that was one bit that people have come back and said was quite interesting. And I think if you can drill into your team to look at that, to see how they interact and how they work is really important. Alongside that was the introduction of the concept of third space. And that's the one that people have come back and said, this is very interesting. And we've spent a lot of money on digital screens and perhaps we shouldn't have done uh, right. as we had had one guy saying to us. So third space is a term coined by a sociologist called Ray Oldenburg and it's used a lot in the Starbucks branding so people may have already heard of it but essentially your third space is that protected space between home and work so it's where you want to relax with your friends you don't want to be having questions about home and you don't want to be having questions about work it's a very protected third space and you can see why someone like Starbucks would use it as a branding element for their coffee shops and how they want people to feel for the remote or the deskless workers, the third space for them is that mess room or the locker room or the canteen space. And as communicators, traditionally, we've thought, great, let's chuck some digital screens in there because we can talk to people on digital screens and they can see what's going on. Yeah. Now, we know that most people don't really um, engage with those screens. We know that people turn them off or they don't like them. Some cases we've heard of, of all sorts of, of things. Um, but what the reason they're turning them off is because they're too intrusive in their third space. So in the research, we could very easily see that people were not engaging with the screens at all, but would engage more with notice boards because they can go and read a notice board if they want to. It's there. It, it was much better received than a digital screen flashing in their faces while they're trying to have lunch or talk to their friends. Um, and it doesn't matter where you put that screen, even if you try and put it in the entrance way to them, coming into that third space, it's still not where they work. And if their place of work as a solitary worker is on, then you have to respect that space in between is, is not and give them access to content and news, but that isn't intrusive. And, and one of the things that Benjamin often talks about is how uh, in the deskless world, their roles are, are lacking a lot of autonomy. Whereas for some, most of us that work in an office, we have quite a lot of autonomy about how we structure our day or what we do or how we do it. For them, they don't. So yeah the more we do to take away any element of autonomy is is what is detrimental to their engagement. So we have to give them, you know, this is your choice to come and read this notice board. It's your choice to read a magazine that we may post to you at home or we may leave on a desk, yeah. but a screen, that's not your choice. And and that's where it starts to to have the issue of, of the engagement and an effective communication tool, really. So so I, I hadn't heard of third space. So, I, you know, thank you for teaching me something new today. Um uh, very, very interesting. I, I, one of the questions that was brewing in my head, but kind of now is, is definitely there, is in the world of mobile and, mm -hmm. and how companies are using mobile to communicate to their staff. And I wonder whether the, a mobile phone is a, a virtual third space yeah. now. Do, we, do people want to be? Do people want that push notification or app on their phone that 
that invades their, yeah. you know, when they're looking at the sport or the news or yeah. something. Yeah, and that's so. you know, it's a question that came up a few times. And and where what what you get into in that conversation is the use of channels. So what we can see in the data is actually it doesn't matter which channel you use. So we had some some organisations using magazines, some were using email, some were using an app. Um, if you're, it doesn't matter which channel you use at all. But what right. you have to do is use the channel really well. So if you're so the one one of our um, companies that took part did have an app, it was really well received. But they also used notice boards, so you could see how they were using things together. But they'd also invested heavily yeah. in an app and in a content strategy and in a process and in doing that really really well. Those that had uh, maybe very few channels, maybe more email led, um, had had a really hard time because they hadn't spent time talking to people about how to use email effectively. So you just assume people can use email and and we all know how much of a time sink it can be. But if they then said, right, actually, email is our core channel. We don't have anything else. So we're going to to invest in making this the best channel we can make it. So we're going to run training sessions on how to get the best out of email or we're going to create a, a behavior around when you put a subject in, you put help needed at the top so that people know that it's it requires some support or it's an action or it's a for information. So there's things you can do to yeah. make a channel work harder for you. And that's really what we found. So I think I do think there is probably for some people the the mobile phone being that virtual third space. But I also think now, as long as it's not intrusive, so you're not using, you know, you're not doing push notifications through that app all the time. I can choose to go in and yeah. get that information. So I've got a client that has has an app and they focus on the badge icons so that you know that there's new content on there but I can ignore that badge icon or, or it's telling me I can go in and get information but it's not shouting at me to go in and that's the difference um just I'm just wondering whether this is a tricky question or go not for but, it. Go for uh, it. I, no you know it's, it's I'm, I'm engrossed um do you do you see a a, a hierarchy in channels now um because just just talking about email and an app, email and an app i'm still a big fan of email uh but m- m- my needs are very different to somebody of a, a business of ten thousand, and and some of the some of the really great engagement strategies we've seen at the awards have been using uh different types of apps where it become is taken on by the employees themselves it becomes collaborative they they, they you know employee uh gener- generated content mm-hmm. Whereas email seems old and a tell function, you know, it's just a, a, a function of communicating what you want to that person rather than it becoming more collaborative and, um, you know, employee owned. Um, just, just anyway, just wondered if you thought there's a hierarchy of, of best channels to use think, now or whether it's a multi-channel to multi-channel process. Yeah, I think say. it is still fairly multi-channel. What we did see was um, when you looked at the channels used versus uh, against the content, you can see that if you look at industry as a content bucket, the, the main use uh, main channel was emails um, and also external yeah. news sites uh, uh, were, were quite a big factor. If you look at the organization, it was emails, employee website, intranet, that kind of thing. If you get to the department content, yeah. it's my manager, my colleagues, my team meetings. What I think we've done is we've tried to put digital across every content bucket without considering the content strategy with the channel strategy, with the business strategy. So if if I look at most places you know you can an app has a place in a lot of organizations but it has to serve the purpose so if you look at someone like yapster whose whole ethos of their product was about 
creating a WhatsApp essentially for organizations. So they're very specific about what they're trying to do as a messaging platform. Yeah. Um, and therefore that would be great for the department area, you know, team conversations. Once you get into things like Office 365 or Yammer or some of that, it's almost too big. So it's not specific enough to meet a specific content need. And therefore we're just trying to do too much with with the same thing. And that's why I think we get unstuck. Fantastic. Um, well, there you go. I've just looked at look at looked at the clock. Um, is, is anything else from the report that before people go and download it uh, that, that you'd like to share? Um, and, and and is there another report brewing in your in your head? <laughs> um, there's always reports brewing in my head. So um, there's I the, the the one thing I do want to have a look at, and and I and I it's kind of a, a plea for some help, really. So one of the things that came out of doing the research was the impact of unions on on the workplace and we had some places where people wouldn't come and talk to us because they were on a on a meal break or they just didn't want to and and there was clearly a a huge rift between employee and organization and and I really want to find out more about that so if people work with unions um or they work at a union they're responsible for communication or they they're doing anything in a union space over the next six months I just really want to talk to some people to understand the impact of unions on workplace culture really and see whether it's still an issue and, and how do we shift it because the impact on engagement for me is so high um that I'd like to to sort of shift that conversation so that's probably the next report that's brewing but I think it's going to be about a year in the making um just because it needs to have well, some conversations talking earlier about lack of uh news news stories although you know t- with regards to that there's two what two two key ones with Ryan and BA yeah. and their pilots yeah. at the moment yeah um and that one union exactly. so um yeah that'd be interesting how that plays yeah. out yeah so that's that was the that was the the sort of big thing for me to come away from there's the next step to to drill into it but like you said before i think for us this was this was a start of a conversation we hope that people will read yeah. this and think god i want to go into my organization and take this and test whether this is true for us and get do some more data yeah. or do some you know data like you said take one team and this team and do some testing and see what the difference is so the more we can encourage people to do the research and data collection then I think the more we will be able to drive us all forward to solve the problems that we've had for a long time well um if anybody uh out there listening now excuse me throbbing my throat um you know is in a in a workplace that has has unions and the impact of them and I think Jenny would probably like to hear from you I'm I'm sure um (laughs) What, what's uh, what's new for you, next for you this summer? You, have you been away? Are you going away? Uh, I'm going away end of September. I'm going away. My husband and I are going to have a week in Turkey just to to flop and read lots of books. It's been a busy, busy six months. Fantastic. So we're looking forward to a bit of sunshine and relaxation. Fantastic. I, I took a book away with me a, lot, a couple of weekends ago and I got home and I hadn't even <laughs> taken it out of the bag. So. Really annoying, <laughs> really annoying. Totally, totally forgot I had it. So it's the only time oh, I read. So uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and yeah, and when you get back, you'll be nice and refreshed to look at all the entries in the in, in, internal comms category. With with like, <laughs> you have the joy of those waiting for you. And it's eternally grateful for you giving up your time for that last year and this year. So cool. as our entrance, so thank cool. you so really much. We'll have to have you back um, uh, when you've done your next report, uh, and 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 you won't be president elect anymore. You'll be president, um, and uh, I'm just really grateful for your time, Jenny. Please reach out to Jenny um, if if you want to find out more about what what she does uh, and her report and 
all her knowledge that she she possesses. Um, for now, though, uh, we are open for entries in the UK and Europe until October the 9th. Um, we have tickets are on sale for our conference down in Johannesburg, which is September 17, 18. Uh, and we have news around uh, upcoming events in, in North America, too. So for now, thank you very much, Jenny. Thanks thank for being on for the podcast. Me. And uh, take care to all. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.